0: you're listening to the Dark Depths Podcast. We would love if you could take a minute out of your day to follow the Dark Depths Podcast on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to our show. If you feel up to it, you can also give us a donation on PayPal or support us on Patreon. Don't feel like you have to, though. Our show is always going to be free. That's all the announcements. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Dark Depth Podcast, your go-to place for the modern and legacy formats. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I am here with the fake earth king himself, Michael Mapson. How are you? I'm kind of tired. How are you? I'm kind of tired, too. Uh, let's keep this relatively short. Do you mind? No. Okay, cool. All right. Um, let's just jump right into it, then. We had a really heavy helping of modern this last week. So I think that's kind of a good place to start, and you know kind of a little bit of modern a little bit of something else. uh let's talk about the mocks first, uh one by Nathan yeah. Stewart. yeah, did you get the chance to actually watch his run at all? I heard of just straight up domination <laughs> um I think he three would the draft and then followed it up with a three o in modern, so they didn't even play a final he just he just won
1: yeah it was it was nuts first, I don't know like i don't know if they posted the draft decks i think they did but like if you are able to find it you should check out his his cube deck like okay. it is a beauty
0: <laughs> yeah, like it's
1: crazy to me too because he drafted blue white and he i know he was being cut on blue from from the player to which right and just like you look at it and you're like this is like exactly what you want for this archetype like how do you i don't know it's so good um And then, yeah, watching him just, like, dominate modern was also kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it was nuts. Like, so him and, um, him and, uh, Tangrams worked together for this event, and they met in the finals of Modern. That's how you draw it up. Uh, Yeah. And then also, like, go back and watch that actual match, like, him versus Tangrams. He is, like, on a mold of five in the mirror. Misses his second land drop for like three turns, like doesn't have a red source for his Ragathon, and then still wins.
0: Ooh, okay. Yeah, I, to, I definitely need to go back and watch that. Then I saw like like bits and pieces as I was going through the day, but didn't get to watch the whole thing. So definitely something for the. Hopefully for this week. Um, I mean the deck looks pretty straightforward. A lot of familiar hits. Uh, playing Grixis Dust Shadow. Um, the one uh, notable things, uh, two Torox in the main main deck. Um, we get to see Spell Pierce, one copy of that in the main deck, which I think I have seen more often coming in and out of the deck. Uh, and then the I think the spiciest piece of tech that we're seeing here is Mind Grind out of the sideboard. That's really cool. Yeah, so
1: I mean, I think the Torox makes sense. Because you would probably expect this field to be a little bit more mid rangey, right? Mm-hmm. I think that card's good for mid range decks.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've we've talked about this before. When you're looking at a, an event that is, you know, forty people, right? You can kind of predict what people are going to play. When you're playing an event that is eight people, it, it is a little bit easier to figure out what people are going to play. And you know, I think something like Torak. I, I don't know. I I feel like if I were playing in this event, I. Would either be playing Crisis Death Shadow, maybe I'd play some some like a Four Color Blink or something like that, um, just because I, I think Shadow is a pretty obvious target for a lot of people, um, and I think having access to something that is able to exile a lot of prob- problematic permanents would be good, and I think um, Blink does a good job of that. Um, mm-hmm. So I think yeah, I think that's a good meta call for sure. But that mine grind, I just like, every, I saw the mine grind, I was like, that's impressive. Uh, for those who haven't seen this, it's a rare from Gate Crash, um, X, blue and black, uh, each opponent reveals two cards from the top of their library until they reveal X land cards, then put all cards revealed into their graveyard. X can't be zero. So this is really just a three mana way to mill your opponent. <laughs> um, assuming they're not playing any lands, which I think is really cool when you're talking about the, uh, you know, a couple decks in the metagame right now. Um, there was one player who was on uh, Oops all spells, so that is that is incorrect. He
1: was actually on Belcher. I don't know why it is categorized as Oops.
0: No, weird. Yeah, definitely with Belcher. Um, but still, is yeah, it it's Belcher Bob? Okay. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, yeah it's uh the,
1: it's I can't think of his username Bob forty nine. I think he's he's the one who like won like two challenges with Belcher.
0: Okay. Cool, So Robert Steiner, neat. So yeah, I mean that is that's pretty solid in that matchup at least. Like, that's kind of cool. So yeah, um, this was a you know good performance from Nathan, well deserved, great champion. Um, I mean I mean obviously making this I think is impressive. So just congrats to everybody in the top eight or top eight, <laughs> uh, in, who actually made this event rather really just you
1: know it's it's already worth saying like how hard getting the mocks is but like this is Nathan's third mocks in a row
0: which is just ridiculous yeah I mean a lot, of, a lot of those people you end up seeing like in my mind like I know like there was a point in time where you know Reed Duke, I in my mind was always making these things but he wasn't always making these things like that's not actually true it's just it, the kind of what I associate with three Duke is being a um, absolute monster and magical line, but you know, not it's it's really hard to make these things. So um, for someone to make one, let alone two, let alone three, um, it's wildly impressive. So kind of looks like De- Chris's De shadow is showing up a lot of places, uh, including the uh, PTQ we had on Sunday. Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure you've, most of us hopefully have seen this already, but it looks like the top four of the PGQ on Sunday was just all Grixis Death Shadow, which is super crazy to me. Um, Corey Balmeister at Meade, um end up getting top four, and he actually streamed his event, which uh, was uh, very entertaining. Um, I always like when he streams. So, But being able to watch the deck in action, you know, and Corey obviously, after winning the um the SEG not too not too long ago, SEG Con or whatever that was. I'm trying to think of the name of that event was. I wanna call the it The Invitational. SCG. It's Invitational, thank you. Uh winning the Invitational, um, with Grace's Death Shadow, and that was a long time ago, it feels like now. But just continued really since then has continued just to be a really, really strong deck in the meta game, and, you know, putting up the four, top four decks I think is super crazy.
1: Yeah. So been quite a run of dominance from this deck lately, and I know uh, people have been talking about potential bans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, since you have played way more Death Shadow than I have, how do you feel about potential bans for this deck?
0: I think you know if you were going to ban, do bans for the for the modern format in general. And I, I like just to preface this: I like the modern format right now the way it is. Um, is that influenced potentially by the fact that I'm playing versus Death Shadow? Maybe. But I think the meta game is very, very healthy. I think it's a lot, a lot of diversity. Um, you know, we're seeing things like Ragavan, which are actually like playable in this format and and not um, a able to steamroll games like it does in Legacy, or did in Legacy at least. Um, the the one big concern I keep hearing people say is that Loris is too good. But like, there's a lot of games that just like don't have time for Loris. I don't need it, or I just don't have time for it. And there obviously are some games where it goes long and Lurrus can grind out some advantage, but I, I think you can say the same thing about um, Urian too. Like, I think Urian does a similar thing. And I think the decks that you're seeing there uh, with those companions, they're, they're they're fine, right? And you have to make sacrifices like, you know, Grace's Death Shadow could be playing something like Street Wraith. Uh, it could be playing something like uh, Murktide region, potentially but instead you're playing, for the most part, a lot of small ball because you want to try to be able to play Luris as a sacrifice you're, you're making. And, you know, it, it does. there are situations where you really do wish you had other effects, other things um, that you can't play. Um, like, for example, I mean, I don't think I would do it, obviously, with a lot of these builds, but, like, I could potentially play something like... I don't know, Blood Moon, right? It's something I could potentially play. Would I probably play it? Probably not, right? But I could I could build a mana base a little differently to support something like that. Um But, you know, Luris limits that. Um the big thing that comes up a lot is like, you know, with Luris especially is like my opponent plays the Blood Moon. And I'm like, okay, well I'm gonna kill that with my um what's it called engineer explosives. It's like, well, it's in my graveyard. So no. I'm not <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. Um so maybe you can maybe play duplicates, but Getting off track here. Um, I, I think the Gris of Shadow is kind of it's fine the way it is. There are natural predators to it in the metagame. Um, I and mean, looking at the, you know, the modern PTQ, like the thing I and I kind of mentioned this before, like I I always think like elementals is kind of a nightmare. I feel like the four color blink deck is a tough matchup, or at least, you know, very competitive. Um, and looking at the PTQ, I do not see either of those decks. Until 18th place, maybe. There's a Thaeli combo which, at least, is doing the the whole Ephemerate Solitude thing, which I think is just a really thought, so, you know, strong synergy that people aren't playing that much of. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but if you've ever gotten your Death Shadow Solitude, Solitude, a hit by Solitude, you know it's kind of brutal. Um, and you know, once you start exiling. The lurus so it can't get back with Colgan's Command and things like that, it, the deck does start to fall apart a little bit, because people aren't willing to do that right now. So, I don't know. I think the deck's fine, but I, I, once again, I think the people's opinion, whether it's correct or not, um, especially in math, ends up being a little bit more important than uh, my personal feelings. Yeah,
1: I'm still of the opinion people talk a lot about banning lures, but like, it just doesn't really resonate with me. Um, I don't feel like that many games are decided by Loris. Mm-hmm. Like, you see it a lot, like, a lot, a lot, but it really, it just doesn't feel like it actually decides that many games. And maybe it's because I'm not playing enough with Laris decks. Um, and it also seems like, even though people are saying, like, you know, you have to play Shadow or whatever, it still just feels like there's so much room to be explored in the format mm-hmm. like last week we talked about the deck that um kogamo uh aka kendry samura played the john sacrifice deck and i know we didn't like focus on it right but we loosely touched on it like i played that deck last night at modern and it was a lot of fun and like i played against krix of shadow and it was just like the matchup felt really good we're mm-hmm. playing like yawkma if your matchup against shadow feels really good i just i feel like some of these decks could be worked on more and like yeah they have flaws like i got rolled by hammer in two matches but like it just feels like there's room to explore and maybe at the end of it loris and shadow are still better than everything but Mm i i'm just like not convinced right now i i still just think there's so many good not loris decks too like amulet is really good granted amulet is pretty bad in shadow um like living end is a deck you mentioned. Blink, that's really good. Like I've actually been wondering, like, whatever happened to like the green white heliad deck? Like I felt mm. pretty favored against shadow with that deck. And granted, I don't know if the newer builds of shadow if that's still a good matchup or not. But you no, know, I still think there's a lot of room to try stuff out.
0: And like I think the the Tide deck is still so good, and I think you see a lot of people who were playing either the Blue Red Murktide or we're playing the John Saga deck just gravitated toward Gris' Shadow because it was putting up the results that Saga wasn't consistently and and that um, the Murktide deck, I think, was putting up consistent results and people just kind of still gravitated away from it. So, I don't know. You do have options. And one thing I think the, you know, as a Shadow player, like, I always live in fear of my uh, Murktide opponent just, like, Throwing down a blood moon or something crazy like that when I'm, when I'm not expecting it, and even if I am expecting it, um, it's really hard to play the game off of a swamp and three mountains. So, you know, I, I think people, if people were a little more liberal with their deck choices, I don't think it'd be that big of a problem. But, you know, people tend to gravitate. We saw the same thing actually with you know, you mentioned green, white, heliod. There was a point in time where people were just slamming green, white, heliod, everybody and they it put up results for a little bit and then eventually people drifted off it. Um, you know, if most of the good players are playing a deck, it's probably going to do pretty well. And, you know, going through this, you, like I mentioned, Corey Ballmeister is playing Chris's Shadow. Uh, I see uh, P-Tarts. Deck done. Deck done, yeah. Like, they're solid players putting up solid results with a solid deck. Like, this, this isn't a surprise. Um, it just looks bad, too, when you see that literally what first place, second place, third place, fourth fourth place, but, you know, there's four in the top four, sure, but there's only five in the top 16. It just happened to be that these four happened to make top eight and happened to win their quarterfinal matches, and they weren't matched up against each other. Um, so, I don't know. I I think it's a little overblown. Um, the, you know, the the new fervent of uh of hatred towards grixis death shadow once again very solid deck though i mean people wouldn't play it otherwise
1: yeah i will also say i am um i am terrified of the thought of loris ban right? because like loris uh, getting banned means you're weakening shadow and hammer right and you know some people say shadow will disappear again i don't think that's true mm. plus you know you open up slightly different options with the deck which could always be nice yeah um But, you know, let's say that kills Shadow, even though that's not... Oh, that's true, yeah. uh, Let's say it kills Hammer, which I don't think that kills Hammer. You're still a deck that can kill one turn two, still grind with Urza Saga, whatever. But then I think, like, without Shadow, I think Amulet becomes really dominant again, Mm -hmm. um, which I both love and hate to see, right? Like, you always are happy when your deck becomes good, but... Also, when Amulet is too good, the mirror matches, like, I love the deck, and I actually like playing mirrors for most decks, but I will say the Amulet mirror match is, like, the least enjoyable mirror match I've ever played of anything in my entire life. Um, and also, whenever Amulet gets too good, something gets banned, yeah. because people don't <laughs> enjoy Amulet being
0: good. Well, I to see, if, if they ban Lurith and Shadow becomes wildly unplayable, I'm just switching to Blue Red Murk Tide, and then I'll We'll all to play Murktide versus uh, um, Amulet. And then...
1: Oh, no, the Merktide matchup is, in my opinion, harder than the <laughs> Shadow matchup.
0: Sorry. For sure. Yeah, I I think you're right, though. I think if they do ban Laris, I think what you're going to see is the same thing that happened with um, Hogak, right? They, they banned some cards from Hogak to make the deck, you know, keep it in line with the rest of the modern format. And then people were like, oh, we were just misbuilding this deck the whole time. Never mind. Thanks and <laughs> The deck was a bigger problem after its first round of bannings. Um, I think there's a, a good chance once you say you can't play this card anymore, people will just go back to the drawing board and realize that they cu- were kind of building the deck um, not not weak weaker, right? But like we mentioned, like there's you're, you're really not seeing Luris come in on a lot of games. Like it, it, there are some games where it goes along, but I think those are position- like in the mirror or something like that where you can actually position yourself, the format's very fast right now. And, you know, very explosive. And like you said, Amulet has, a, has the ability to win very quickly. Um, and even, you know, if Shadow can hold its own, like, there's just not a really good opportunity to spend three mana to do nothing. So, yeah, I don't know. I think people are would be would be surprised if we lost Lurus, but I think they'd be more surprised how good Shadow still is.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned how fast the format is because it's really something i feel like i don't think about but lately i've been playing a good bit of pioneer just to kind of like get ready for the upcoming team event mm-hmm. um in hindi mm-hmm. and that format feels so slow after oh playing so much more legacy
0: yeah
1: um, wow it's just like hey you know i think my legacy matches also tend to go later in terms than modern matchups, but, like, it still feels like a lot is happening, like, things are moving quickly, and just well, I, I don't know, wow, it's, uh after playing Pioneer, I'm just like oh, games, like can go 12 turns or whatever
0: yeah, well, I mean, you're used to Captain sixth drops on turn two, right? Like, I you know you're you're playing Pioneer, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna play Pieces of the Puzzle on turn three, or I'm gonna, like put this land into play tapped it's like, oh, that's not impressive. But, like, that's just the format. I, I like Pioneer, too. I think it is a it's a, it's a good speed. It definitely is much slower than, than I think we're used to, but it, it does kind of feel, like, nostalgic uh, because everything's so slow. Weird. I, I don't find it
1: nostalgic, and that's not me, like, attacking the format, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not actually trying to say it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I don't know, it doesn't bring me any nostalgia, which is kind of weird, because I guess I played when all of those cards came out. Like, also, since I'm playing Pioneer, I should know when it started, but I actually don't remember what the what it, what set it starts in.
0: Oh, um, Pioneer starts in, <laughs> is it Cons? Or uh, is it Origins?
1: No, it's not Origins. Origins was a different format. It's than Frontier. The Frontier. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think... I'll uh, th- return
1: to Ravnica forward.
0: Okay. Okay. That makes sense. It's
1: just so yeah, weird yeah, that I, shocks. I don't know
0: that. Yeah. That makes, it makes sense, though, right? You have the shock lands, and, like, obviously the fetch lands are banned, but you need to get the shocks from some I guess the shocks are also in the most recent Ravnica iteration, so... But, yeah. um, So, I, anyway, it's kind of going... <laughs> Backtracking here. Um I do like Shadow. I, I, I think people aren't Lorus is fine, Ragavan sweet. People are not playing enough other cards. Um big I think this is a, a non new item, but it's notable at least just for for people. There was there wasn't a Saturday challenge, right? I think most people were playing the PTQ. Um, the challenge ended up like sputtering, I think, with like sixteen people or something like that, so um, that didn't go off. Um, there was a challenge on uh, Saturday, th- Saturday, though. Yeah, sorry. Sunday challenge didn't go off. There was a challenge on Saturday, though. Um, also when by Gricks' Death Shadow, which does not help the don't ban Gricks' Death Shadow into the sun um, train, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, not- nothing super spicy there. Um, there was, like, an... I don't say... They call it Orthoth Blink. Um, and it is... We've been seeing this deck anyway. It's the, Gr- the Grief deck and Solitude with Ephemeris and Undying Evil and Malakir Rebirth, which I think is annoying but powerful. It's different, right? So I guess it's fine. Um, the only reason I can't even bring this deck up is because it... We kind of see this with the Hammer decks now, because they're starting to play Reality Chip in like a blue-white version. I'm using Stoneforged Myths to kind of tutor up a bunch of cool stuff there. Um, but this Black-White Blink deck is playing Lion's um, Sash, which we've been seeing already. Uh, playing Blade of the Oni. the one that turns the equipped creature into a 5-5 Menace Black Demon, which I think is super cool. Um, and then we also have, you know, like, Sword of Fire and Ice. We see Skull. College of Complete, Mall of the Sky Touch of the Spirit Realm, which is a new one. If you guys haven't seen this, it's a three mana enchantment. Uh, When it enters the battlefield, exile up to one target artifact or creature until it leaves the play, uh, until the um, Touch of the Spirit Realm leaves the play. Um, You can also channel it just to straight up exile an artifact or creature, and it comes back, so it blinks it, which I think is cool.
1: Um. Yeah. I'm really actually interested in this deck. I, I kind of want to try it out. It looks cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know it was slightly misbuilt, um, or was it this one that I was thinking of that was misbuilt? Or a similar one. Um, the Undying Evil, there's another card that has a similar effect. Oh, wait, no, this one is the one that's built correct. I was looking at a different deck that wasn't playing Undying Evil. Okay. Played something that, or yeah, it is Undying Evil. Sorry, I'm confusing myself. There are other mm-hmm. cards that do the same thing, but don't rely on Undying, and I think those cards are better because if the creature were to die again, you can bring it back again.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, makes sense. So, like, you Undying Evil, your grief twice, it's not going it to work the second time. That makes sense. Yeah. So you could play There's with... a
1: card from um from Adventures in the Forgotten Realms that does the same thing. I don't remember the name of it offhand. Okay. Worth noting. Also, you mentioned the reality chip. I played against that card in Hammer yesterday. The card is
0: nuts. Yeah, I mean so and like I was kind of evaluating it as compared to Future Sight, which I, I really liked Future Sight in the decks, you know, I was able to play it in. Um, mind you, that's a five mana enchantment, right? And this is, I think it's like six mana if you do it the hard way, right? But, let me double check that real quick while I'm talking. I thought it was two. Well, it's two to come into play, but how much to configure it? Oh, I have no (laughs) clue how much that
1: costs.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I think it's, I thought it was four to, four to, um, I can spell. Geez, spelling is like. A chip for spelling, um, but anyways, so looking at that, um, like that's kind of the lens I was kind of putting it in. So once you kind of, it's was called the reality chip, that is the most annoying thing. It is legendary, I guess, whatever. So, anyways, um, yeah, two to come into play, three to configure. Oh, it actually is five, um, but the fact you're doing it over two turns instead of once and you have to have it onto a creature it just seems like a big hassle uh but when you start playing it in the your hammer decks like being able to just like pay two mana and just have it come into play is like very very good um it's a lot easier to really go off when you don't have to pay the extra three three mana to uh to do it
1: yeah in a, in a deck that's also just, like, full of zero and one-drops, like, you also just chain through things so fast. Mm-hmm. Like, your only real bricks are hitting lands. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was just, like, my opponents would put it into play, and then they would cast, like, six spells, and it was like, I was ahead, and now, <laughs> and now this.
0: Yeah, and, like, you're seeing the deck playing a couple more fetch lands, and, like, there's more, like, Mishrith Bauble for example. Um, and like, the other thing I think that's kind of, you know, savvy is that they... Obviously, we're playing Stoneforge Mystic before, but like duplicate copies are just like being saved as a way to shuffle the deck in case you do hit that like, you know, glut, glut of lands, uh, which I think is super smart. Anyways,
1: uh, I know we're trying to keep it short, so do we want to talk about for Legacy a bit before we get out of here?
0: Yeah. Um, there's, this sounds kind of, I don't want to say silly, right? But there's there's one thing I really want to talk about in, in Legacy that I've, i've been thinking about the past you know couple weeks and we've obviously had some some really great guests on um so you know we we've gotten to talk about plenty of plenty of legacy but i feel like the kappa engineer is just like so good or cannoneer sorry kappa cannoneer has just ended up being such a good card like it's like i obviously thought it was pretty good before but it it's better than I thought it was, if that's possible. So, I haven't had the chance to really
1: play with or against it yet. Um, it's very frustrating. The card is <laughs> ridiculously expensive One Modo.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, it sits at over 100 ticks. And, yeah, I don't really have a big moto collection. My moto collection is Green-White Demps. <laughs> and I just, like... I wanted to try the deck out, but this is, like over my rental budget, which does not come up very often. And I guess it's over most people, so I'm not seeing it in queues. I don't know. I've seen a couple of games with it. It it is really impressive. I'm definitely interested to see, like, can we just adjust to this deck, right? Like, artifacts have always been kind of easy to hang out. Um, You know, you get to play cards like Force of Vigor and Meltdown and such. I know Meltdown, not the best against this card because, like, paying seven for Meltdown is a lot, but, like, you know, your Meltdown slow this card down from getting out. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I don't know how that really lines up. Like, how often is this card really out on, like, turn two or three? And do you just, like, suck up uh, the fact that you're going to, like, lose those games? Or, like, do you look for different answers like Shadowstorm? I'm just really curious to see how this plays out. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it just, because once again, like, this, if you have that out, like, we talked about, like, Force of Vigor, right, Force of Vigor on turn four, right, could be potentially an out, because you can pay it for zero mana, exile your green card, and then, you know, pay the four for the ward, but, like, having to pay the four for the ward is just still so backbreaking, like, um, losing, you know, I think Force of Vigor in particular has always been, in my in my mind, I think the best one in that in that cycle, just because it's straight up a two for two. Like, there's no arguing, there's no negotiating, like, it's just a two for two, which I think is fine at, at worst. But, like, having to actually pay essentially full cost for it and exile another card makes it feel a lot worse there. Um, and, you know, theoretically, you could probably kill somebody. You know, I always I imagine, like, that fast start with, like, a Thai. A um, making a couple artifacts, and then, you know, a Mox Opal. You know, it could, it could be something like Bishop's bobble Earth's Bauble, Mox Opal, and then you just cast a turn two Cannoneer. Um, which comes into play basically as a 5 5 two. I missed that. Because um, whenever an artifact enters the battlefield and you control it, but it counts itself for some reason. Um, so, I don't know, it's just weird that it's unblockable in the first turn it's out, but... Uh, it, it's just one of those things that it could get out of hand really, really quickly. And especially if, you know, with the word for, like, there's a lot of chances you just can't kill it in time. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see how this go is going forward. And you kind of mentioned this too, like, a lot of people can't afford this deck. I've been seeing it as a two of in a lot of decks. I don't know if it's actually a two of or if people just can't afford it. Because as of right now, like, I'm looking at a list from the challenge, um, Flow True, um, the deck's 1,400 ticks, <laughs> uh, which, like you said, it's a, out of a lot of people's rental budgets. And, you know, I think Mistress Bauble also has seen a huge uptick. That's um, one of the things looking at Chris's Shadow, um, the deck still ends up being, you know, 724, uh, 28 ticks. Uh, most of that's still being Ragavan. But Mistress Bauble is also, you know, is actually the second most expensive card in the deck. Um, besides Dragavan, uh, but you know, with that eight cast, you still have the Force of Wheels, you still have the um, Lotus Pe- Petals, um, you still have the Earth of Sagas. Like this deck is just like way too pricey for many people.
1: Yeah, but definitely curious to see how that shapes up. I'm curious um, how much this deck will be a part of paper metagames games as well, um, because you know, paper is always slightly different than online. I, I also just like think this is kind of a fun deck to play so i hmm. kind of expect people to pick it up on paper but we'll see um the other deck i want to touch on or card is the Grixis control decks and particularly um hidetsugu consumes all yeah so i've been seeing a lot of talk about this card and how good it is um so if people don't know this card it is a Black Red Saga that when it comes into play, it destroys um, all zero and one drops in play. And when it gets to two, it um, exiles all graveyards. And then when it gets to three, it flips over into uh, Vessel of All Consuming, which is a 3 3 with Trample. Um, and whenever it deals damage, you put a plus one plus one counter on it. And then if it deals 10 damage to a player this turn, they lose the game. That part is basically irrelevant. Um, but this card's very interesting. Just like, 3 mana comes down, destroys all 1 and 0 drums. So like, I'm, I'm not saying that you want this as your play against Delver, but like, you know, it kills Delver Secrets, it kills um, Dragon's Rage Channeler, um like, against... The eight cast deck we we're just talking about. Like it kills all the thought it kills chalice, it kills uh any um construct tokens, like mm-hmm. it kills a lot of stuff. And then graveyards are almost always important in legacy, right? Like exiling all your graveyards gives uh Grixis or any black red deck a clean way to deal with Uro. It gives you a great additional, like, upside against Stelver because it kind of, you know, stops smirk from coming down. It turns off Delirium. Um, It's good against the card Emery. It's just, like, randomly good against a lot of the format. Like, it's good against Green-White Depths. And then, you know, the first chapter blows up the Elvis Reclaimers and Mox Simons, and then it exiles the Graveyard. Mm -hmm. That actually seems really powerful. Um, I know Brian Koval, who plays a lot of Legacy, is very high on this card, and, you know, when you hear a legacy control specialist say that a card is good in control, it could be worth listening. Yeah. You could also decide he's full of crap, but, you know, Possibly. leave that up. You know.
0: uh, the other thing I kind of like about this too is that like the backside of is kind of nice. Um, I There's a lot of games where you are like attacking and you just keep, they keep beating down and keeping down. Um, you get them to a low life title, they cast their own Uro, they gain a bunch of life and now they're back up to... You know 19 or 22 um like the vessel once you actually flip it like if you do them 10 damage with that thing they they just die right it is <laughs> there's no if ands or buts so that's a, a nice way that even if your opponent does gain a lot of life you can just still just kill them
1: i mean if it's been out for and like connected seven times so that it's a 10 10 before it attacks again like I don't know if, if the who's attacked eight times i think you're already winning i don't think you need that clause that's probably true
0: yeah all right um let's see that's basically all i wanted to talk about i don't know anything else you want to touch on before we ship out nah it's
1: past my bedtime
0: yeah yeah and like we'll we'll have longer episodes we've had a l- couple long ones but once again, Mapson and I have had very, very long weeks already. And it's only Tuesday, so we're we're gonna call it to a close here. Uh, Mapson, where can people find you?
1: Uh, you can find me online at Expedition Map. And where can people
0: find you? You can find me on Twitter at Bad Luck like Bandit. If you're interested in finding the show, we are at Depth Underscore Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we begin the show. You hear all of our ways to support us, uh, ways to find our information. If you want to find any of those links, they are on our link tree on our Twitter. Um, And once again, just thank you for your continued support. If there's any guests you guys want to see us have in the upcoming weeks, please let us know. We'll try to make it happen. All right. I guess I'll see you next week. See you next week. All right. Bye.